Hello and welcome to episode number 128 of the Agro Innovations Podcast. All things related and debated in agriculture. I'm your host, Frank Aragona. This episode of the podcast has been released onto our website, agroinnovations.com slash podcast on Tuesday, June 28th, 2011. On this episode of the Agro Innovations Podcast, we are joined by Hugh Courtney of the Josephine Porter Institute for Applied Biodynamics. The JPI Institute's mission is to heal the earth through production of quality biodynamic preparations and to advance education and research in biodynamic methods. Hugh Courtney, welcome to the Agro Innovations Podcast. Uh, thank you, Frank. Glad well, to be here. Many people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with the name Rudolf Steiner, but many others may only be somewhat familiar with the details of his life. Um, obviously, he had a very rich and detailed life, but I wonder if you can just briefly tell us who Rudolf Steiner was. Uh, Rudolf Steiner actually was born 150 years ago. This is his sesquicentennial, I think that's how you call it, uh, in what was then the Austro-Hungarian Empire, or Austria. Uh, and um, he uh, had relatively humble beginnings. He had um, uh, university training in, in technical matters. And um, from an early age, he had uh, what you would call clairvoyant abilities, but he learned pretty early on not to uh, be too uh, public with those, shall we say. And uh, he, he started out in his professional life as a uh, very competent uh, scientist, uh, philosopher. He uh, was hired at a relatively young age to... Uh, um, serve as editor of uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe's uh, complete works in as far as uh, Goethe's uh, science uh, writings were concerned. And then in 1899, he started um, giving public lectures um, on uh, esoteric subjects. And at that point, um, the uh, academic, professional, scientific world essentially uh, uh, began to ignore him because that was uh, not uh, something that a philosopher scientist of his background was supposed to be doing. So, And he spent the next um, 20, 25 years speaking on many uh, esoteric subjects. He's probably known best uh, as um, the um, founding uh, impulse for Waldorf education. So uh, he made contributions in many fields, but that's probably what he's best known for. And in 1924, he gave lectures on biodynamic agriculture uh, pretty late in his career. So that's that's pretty much what I can tell you about Rudolf Steiner. Well, he was obviously a very brilliant mind, and he applied it, as you mentioned, to many different areas. Um, but obviously, for the purposes of this podcast, what we want to focus on is the biodynamic agriculture aspects and I wonder if you could just tell us what the principal concepts of biodynamic agriculture are. Well, this is kind of my analysis. Um, in the first place, um, it, it pretty much requires you to broaden your way of thinking. Um, in simplistic terms, I would say we're, we're educated to, to uh, left brain thinking, our material world, linear thinking, and uh, it, biodynamic agriculture is, is seeking to uh, broaden it or add to that uh, Nothing wrong with that kind of thinking, as long as it takes into account uh, other uh, non-physical uh, 
quality, shall we say, intuitive thinking, right brain thinking, however you want to call it. You can say spiritual uh, if you like, but uh, it's it's just there is something else out there besides the material world that uh, most of us cannot see. So and and beyond that, um, we we look at the 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 farm or garden that is our responsibility as as an individuality or as an organism, and we do so because um, we regard the earth as a as a being alive, a living being, and within um, within the earth and within each uh, farm or garden. Um, you're trying to create uh, a, a living organism. The Earth is pretty sick right now, as we all know, and uh, the, the uh, biodynamic approach is about bringing it back to life. And uh, in fact, uh, I think in one one case, uh, it's described as uh, the the purpose of biodynamic agriculture and the purpose of human beings is to spiritualize earthly matter, uh, which is a, a big task for sure. And the other uh, second thing to regard biodynamic agriculture is uh, to see that the earth functions uh, within uh, an organism of its own. It's uh, it's affected by the solar system, the galaxies, the entire universe. And uh, as a result of that um, concept, we we employ uh, planting calendars that take into account where not only the moon is uh, in a particular constellation, but where the the other members of the solar system are uh, and what they're doing and how they affect each other and how they affect the Earth. And lastly, the the, the main thing and the thing that Josephine Porter Institute uh, focuses on is is uh, the biodynamic preparations, which are the tools that Steiner gave us to to achieve uh, the the results that we hope for in biodynamic agriculture. So uh, that that would uh, th- that's my uh, uh, summation of of what's important in biodynamics and in the concepts thereof. So. Well, it seems that Rudolf Steiner was a very incredible man who had some very uh, insightful vision of of how actually things work. I mean, many of the elements that you describe are things that we now associate with things like permaculture. Or uh, even we think of someone like Masanobu Fukuoka, the famous uh, Japanese natural farmer, or uh, even Lovelock's Gaia hypothesis. Uh, many of these things, actually, Rudolf Steiner anticipated them by, oh, at least it seems like a hundred years. Uh, very much so, um, and and um, the 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 important thing is that. Uh, we need to think beyond just the material world and um, for all the positive results that organic agriculture uh, and even conventional agriculture has given the world um, it, it's still um, our thought process is, is still pretty much in the material plane um, NPK thinking is, is one way to describe it and that's present even in organics and we're we're after in biodynamics uh, widening the horizon, as it were, and taking into account um, um, cosmic or spiritual or constellational forces as well. So, Well, in the name of your institute, uh, it's called the, the JPI Institute, but that stands for the Josephine Porter Institute. Uh, yes, Josephine Porter is the, the lady who uh, taught me how to make preparations. She had 
um, a, a very um, selfless life. She was very dedicated to the preparations and to biodynamic agriculture, and she she labored uh, sort of uh, unknown incognito, uh, making these preparations. Uh, the Biodynamic uh, Agriculture uh, Association, Biodynamic Farming and Gardening Association, was founded by a fellow named, uh, well, with the help of Aaron Fried Pfeiffer, who brought biodynamics to this country. Founded in 1938, Josephine Porter um, served as a, I think it was a wave in, in uh, World War II, and when she uh, completed her service there uh, in 45 or 46, she looked around for what she wanted, would be doing next, and uh, she discovered somewhere along the way the organization and uh, biomic agriculture, and she spent the next uh, 30 years or so uh, making the biodynamic preparations uh, for others to use. And she, she was very competent in her making of the preparations. So, and uh, I was, I was uh, privileged to, to learn from her. And uh, she, was, she was quite a lady and um, received little or no recognition. And uh, uh, that's, that's one reason I... Uh, Name the institute for her um, because she she deserved the recognition that she didn't get in her lifetime. She passed away in uh, 1984, and uh, somehow I ended up trying to carry on her work. I've got a long way to go to uh, uh, aspire to her her level of dedication. I guess you would say I don't know. Just she was an amazing woman. Well, you have. Uh referred to the biodynamic preparations several times in this interview already, and I wonder if you could break that down for us in more detail. What are the steps involved in making these preparations? Well, that's going to take us very far afield. There are nine different preparations. Uh, three of them are, are uh, spray preparations, and um, the uh, horn manure is the BD-500, the horn silica is the BD-501, and the third uh, spray preparation, which is almost ignored by many, even in biodynamics, is the horsetail herb or Equisita marvens. And all these are made into spray preparations and applied to either soil or plants. And uh, they're made through uh, the horn silica uh, is silica placed into a cow horn and buried for the summer months in the earth. And the horn manure is the cow horn uh, with manure packed into it and buried during the winter months. Very strange stuff, uh, but the the, uh, most uh, important part is that they they work to make the the soil and the plants uh, alive and healthy. And the equisetum has uh, much to do with uh, what I I call influencing the the moisture uh, situation in a farm and garden. Uh, it, it's viewed principally as uh, a counter to fungus, but it's a lot more than that. All these things are, are applied uh, ideally at, at particular times to uh, gain the maximum influence from what they do. The, the horn manure uh, builds humus uh, in the soil and, and makes it more alive. You see uh, earthworms and other uh, soil microlife uh, in much greater abundance, and, and the horn silica influences the atmosphere and, and the plants, and the atmosphere around the plants uh, uh, 
as as well in in its way, and and um, it it just leads to um, what we believe is uh, much much better uh, tasting food and uh, much better keeping quality in the food. So um, just as well as beautiful flowers if you're growing flowers. So uh, those are the three spray preparations, and you have. Uh, Six preparations which are used in making compost, they're um, a little more complicated in their making uh, in many cases. They usually involve um, uh, plant material such as uh, chamomile blossoms and uh, some sort of animal sheath uh, quite often. Uh, in the case of the chamomile, it's, it's um, uh, cow intestines, bovine intestines, uh, again buried for the winter in the earth. And uh, the, the the process of burying the, the uh, various preparations uh, transforms it into uh, each of them into a more humus-like, uh, clay-like uh, um, structure. And and how they do it, we don't quite know because we don't have the tools to really measure these things with. But by placing these six preparations uh, in 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 a compost pile, um, the the material in that pile is somehow directed into a more positive uh, way. Uh, for instance, if you treat a, a manure pile with this, you will uh, pretty much very quickly notice that the uh, ammonia-type odor uh, that you often associate with animal manures is disappears, and it, it converts it into... Uh, nitrogen compounds somehow that uh, don't off-gas and you, you retain more of the uh, the nutrients you want to build protein, uh, for instance, in plant and animal and even in humans uh, by making compost with these six preparations. And composting is a very important part of biodynamic agriculture. There's a lot of focus on it. We want uh, good compost uh, to uh, be in the soil even before we start using the spray preparations quite often. So the, uh, the exact details for making each and every one of these is uh, fairly complicated. So we uh, probably shouldn't spend uh, too much more time on exactly how they're made. Well, once a farmer or gardener makes or acquires these biodynamic preparations, how are they applied onto the land? You've talked about that a little bit, but I wonder if you could spell that out just in a little more detail. Well, making compost with the six compost preparations, and that's um, we, we're, we're familiar with making compost, ho hopefully. Um, and you're just adding these uh, preparations to it to direct things in a, a more positive way as far as uh, agriculture is concerned. And the, the, the horn manure is uh, stirred and sprayed, um, the stirring is in a particular fashion. Uh, you, in a, a container, uh, you put the unit of uh, 500, which is approximately a quarter of a cup in volume, and you fill the container with uh, water, not quite to the brim, of course, because you're going to stir it rather vigorously. You create a vortex, and as soon as the vortex is well-formed, you um, reverse direction, and that breaks down the the uh, vortex and creates a rather uh, chaotic situation and you stir in the opposite direction until you create another vortex. You keep 
reversing direction until you've stirred for the full hour. You do the horn silica in the same fashion. The horn silica, uh, not to treat an acre, is approximately a quarter to a half a teaspoon in volume. So we're talking about mm, rather dilute or homeopathic proportions here. Uh, and, and each of these can be applied to a full acre of uh, land. So it's, it's, um, we, we are asked to think of the various preparations not as a substance, that is not as manure in a horn so much as uh, a carrier of forces. Somehow the process of making the various preparations uh, stimulates or catalyzes or something uh, makes manifest uh, an energy or a force that uh, uh, addresses um, the soil and makes the soil more alive, makes the plants more alive. So um, they, it, it's, um, you'd use the same spray equipment that you uh, would use for, say, liquid seaweed or something like that, or even uh, in a conventional farm, uh, uh, applying your uh, uh, ammonia fertilizers, uh, injection or otherwise spraying uh, your fields. So the, the same equipment, and just uh, we don't want really want to contaminate uh, the preparations with previous chemical use. So clean, clean, clean equipment, both to stir in and to spray and spray with. Plus, the very important aspect of making compost. How much training does a person require to learn how to make these preparations, and where can a person get that training? Um, I'll answer the last part first. You can get the training um, by finding a competent uh, biodynamic um, preparation maker farmer uh, in your own neighborhood, if possible. And uh, lacking that, um, the Josephine Porter Institute um, offers uh, various workshops to uh, try to teach people how to make the preparations. We we think it's important that one learn to use the preparations, but once you have uh, begun to use them, it's you can further your education or your awareness of, of how to use them by beginning to make them. So we, we encourage that as well. And uh, we we also give workshops and, and uh, at conferences and things like that. And um, there are various um, regional groups throughout the country, uh, Oregon, Northern California, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Upper New York, uh, and, and others forming in uh, Kentucky and around Louisville and uh, in Texas and Colorado. So. Um, it's it's growing, and um, both uh, regional groups gather to make preparations as a group and share, and and we we uh, try to teach people here in various courses. We have pretty um, involved, um, comprehensive uh, five-day workshops in the fall of the year um, involving making the majority of the preparations. Uh, which most of them require a, uh, a, a winter uh, burial in the earth. So uh, making them in the fall of the year is uh, it, it's a pretty important time to to get your training. So um, how much training? I 
is required. Um, you need a lot of practice, I suppose, because you're, there are no real tools to measure the quality of the finished preparation. Uh, we're, we're working on that um, in, a, in a kind of a study group or uh, on, on just one preparation, the BD500, and there are so many uh, different aspects to try to calculate how one can achieve the, the best quality. But lots of practice, lots of years making it. Um, Lots of very close and careful observation uh, is, is what is needed. So I would say um, some people can learn in a fairly short time, uh, and others will take uh, a long time. And ultimately, everybody uh, that gets into biodynamics seriously probably is learning something throughout their lifetime of making preparations. Well, um I wonder how long it takes before a gardener or farmer begins to actually notice results in their production and on the land. That's a pretty good question, and I'd have to answer it with uh, another question. Uh, how how good an observer is that uh, farmer or gardener? Uh, because um, you can you can notice things very quickly, or you can take a long time to to notice and. Uh, a lot of what is biodynamics is taking place beneath the soil. And um, if you apply the preparations to your garden, uh, one of the things that you can observe fairly quickly is that it might become a lot easier to weed in the garden, uh, for instance, because um, when you pull weeds in a, in a, in a bed um, with conventional or organic approaches, the, the roots often tend to expand in the horizon, the horizontal plane, making it a little more difficult to pull that weed. When you start using biodynamics, um, the roots tend to go more towards the center of the earth, and so pulling them is just plucking them right out. So that that's one observation that uh, I made quite a number of years ago that Kind of told me that hey, this stuff is working. And but there there are other things, and it's a matter of your powers of observation. Some people can spray 501 and notice the, the rather immediately the the crispness of the the plant, how the leaves stand up, and, and uh, those sorts of things. But um, sometimes people take two or three years before they really are convinced that uh, something's happening and. A lot of that has to do, uh, to begin with, with the condition of your soils. Uh, if, if they're pretty well damaged by uh, previous uh, agricultural approaches, it might take a lot longer to uh, see changes and uh, see results. But your powers of observation are, are a very important part of it, and that's that's uh, can be immediate to see results or can take longer, and that's a bit uh, of an individuality, how, how you approach things yourself. So. Well, part of the JPI Institute's mission is to advance research in biodynamic methods and biodynamic preparations, and I wonder if you could talk about some of the research that has been done with biodynamic preparations. Well, in all honesty, uh, throughout the world, uh, the amount of research has been quite limited, and that's uh, 
frequently a funding problem uh, because um, there are almost no cases in this country, for instance, where a land-grant uh, uh, university uh, with an agriculture department has bothered to even allow biodynamics to be discussed. I think almost the only place that I know of um, is, is uh, Washington State University. A fellow named John Ragnall did a, a comparison of biodynamic, conventional, and organic. Uh, but he had to go to New Zealand, I believe, to do it, and he was uh, looking at things from an economic point of view. And it turns out that uh, while yield might be a little lower in the biodynamic farms, that the, the cost effectiveness, as it were, was uh, was greater because there were fewer fewer inputs and uh, um, the, the economic factors were rather more in favor of a biodynamic approach um, as com compared to an organic or conventional. And uh, as far as researching the preparations, um, We've we've done what I call seat of the pants research, but we haven't done the, as much of the controlled scientific uh, research that our present day uh, material outlook, as I mentioned to begin with, uh, would would have us um, present to the world. You, you can't go to a dairy farmer right now and convince him to use preparations in his manure lagoon because you don't have any previous research to uh, convincing that he might be better off to do this. So he's uh, he's on an economic treadmill, so he's not too interested in in uh, trying something new that he's got no data to, uh, to persuade him to try and see if that works better than what he's presently doing. But we, we, we would like to do some uh, treatments of such manure lagoons, but we haven't been able to... Uh, find the funding yet and and we think we're in Virginia and we think that uh, uh, if just a small percentage of uh, dairy farmers poultry farmers uh, pork producers could treat their manure with uh, the compost preparations in some form or the Pfeiffer BD compost starter which is a, another product derived from the compost preparations that we make here if if 10% of the farms in Virginia, Carolina, Maryland, Pennsylvania would would use these preparations, uh, you would have far less contamination of the Chesapeake Bay and and Pamlico Sound than you currently do. So it's but um, we haven't been able to uh, get that research done. So it's it's a matter of funding. Well, are there many young people who are learning this practice and applying it? Uh, you know, I don't really have a, a census on that. I would say if uh, you might get a better count uh, from the Biodynamic Farming and Gardening Association. Uh, they've been trying to uh, make that a prominent feature of their uh, educational effort to to uh, address the, the younger generation. And, you know, when you say many young people, um, that's a kind of a relative term, especially from my vantage point because I'll be 79 years old in in this next month uh, of July so uh, young young is uh, how, how young is young but yes we do have a, a fair number of uh, the, the younger generation um, 20s uh, 30s uh, in particular that are, are looking at biodynamics 
a lot more seriously than was the case, um, say, 30 years ago. The, the uh, younger generation is beginning to pay attention. They don't like what they see when they come into um, the earth nowadays um, because we're not doing a very good job of stewardship, and biodynamics is is um, a positive way to address a meaningful stewardship in the earth. So they, when they find out about it, they're attracted to it. We don't have a very significant budget in biodynamics, either for research or uh, education, promotion, marketing. So a lot of a lot of what we can do is word of mouth. And of course, the internet has changed that, and we do have a website, www.jpibiodynamics.org. I think is the commercial plug we would put in. Um, and and that's a place to start. But just um, do your internet uh, search on on biodynamics, and you'll find quite a lot going on, actually. Well, and of course, I will link to the JPI Institute website on the show notes for this podcast, so people who want to learn more can uh, click through and check it out. Um, I wonder, along similar line of my last question. What are some things that people can do to ensure that this important skill is preserved for future generations? Um, well, my simple answer to that is uh, pray and spray and make compost. Uh, if, if you learn to use the preparations and see how it improves uh, the quality of food that you can grow, the, the crops, um, it can persuade you to take the next step, which uh, we would see as learning to make at least some of those preparations. And uh, just, um, it's about healing the earth. These are energies that will make the earth wherever you have uh, a garden spot or a farm that you're tending, it will make the earth uh, more alive, more Josephine Porter, for instance, uh, had had a farm in Pennsylvania near Stroudsburg that was um, very rocky uh, soil conditions, lots of uh, uh, stones in the uh, pretty heavy clay soil, and it was amazing to dig down into some of her soils, uh, as, as one has to do to bury preparations, for instance. Uh, and it, it's almost as though the, the stones, the pebbles, etc., within her soils were kind of dissolving, were turning more, um, the actual stones seem to be turning into uh, more of a clay-like uh, uh, property. So um, I would say just um, start doing it. Don't, uh, don't get hung up on uh, too much of the intellect, which is the tendency we have in this day and age with our educational backgrounds. Um, we, we want to measure and weigh everything, but these things can't be weighed and measured. So I would say um, your best step is to, you know, suspend disbelief that such things could actually make a difference. Try it out. There are some simple, uh, simpler ways to try it. Um, uh, products derived from the preparations that are perhaps a little simpler to use. The, the Pfizer Field and Garden Spray, for instance, goes through a process that... Uh, um, no longer requires one to stir uh, for an hour, but it, it provides uh, 
preparation energies of uh, the BD500 as well as the, the six compost preparations, uh, BD502, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Uh, I did not mention uh, those preparations uh, except for the chamomile, but they, some of the other um, ingredients would be the yarrow preparation, um, the uh, uh, oak bark preparation, the stinging metal preparation, um, and the, the dandelion, the hated dandelion, it's, it's a marvelous uh, plant to use in making preparations. We use the, just the blossom, and uh, it, it's, it's, a magical, uh, it's a magical preparation. And then the last one is the valerian preparation, uh, and that's just uh, the juice of those flowers that uh, is allowed to ferment. And that preparation is very useful if you're in... Um, Expecting a frost, for instance, in, in early spring or as, as fall is winding on, uh, and you want to keep your uh, plants uh, protected from the frost, you can spray the valerian uh, the evening that the frost is protected or even the next morning, and it will, it will keep the, the plant uh, from being frostbitten down to about 18 degrees. So it's rather an amazing preparation in that regard alone. It, it brings, somehow it stimulates or brings uh, an atmosphere of warmth to the plant and uh, does not allow the effects of frost to cause a problem. Well, some of these preparations are available on your website. I, I wonder if that's a good place for people to kind of check that out and maybe well, buy something and get started. We'd be very happy to do so. We offer uh, not only the preparations and other products, as I say, derived from them, the, the Pfeiffer products in particular, which cannot be beaten for making compost, the compost starter, and the field and garden spray is, is also uh, a, a very simple to use uh, uh, with amazing results. Uh, so th those those are available, plus we have a pretty good selection of uh, biodynamic uh, uh, books and publications and a fair amount of uh, background on Rudolf Steiner because one of my uh, realizations, the agriculture course was the first book I'd ever read by or about Steiner uh, and uh, I was fascinated by it and started reading more uh, uh, other aspects of Steiner's work and uh, came to realize that almost everything he gave over 6,000 lectures and 20-some books thereabouts. Uh, um, almost everything that he presented could have uh, at least some relationship to the, the field of agriculture. So it's an amazing body of work, and uh, my focus has been uh, the uh, agriculture course and, of course, the, the biodynamic preparations. So, um, and I'm, I'm happy to share that perspective with folks. Um, I, I'm not anybody's guru. I'm not really an expert. I've just spent a fair amount of time absorbing as much as I can about the preparations. And uh, as I think I alluded to before, once you start making them, you, you sort of gain an awareness of uh, other aspects of the preparations. Um, so it's important not only to use them, but uh, ultimately uh, move, move in, 
the direction of making them as well. Well, Hugh Courtney, on that note, I'd like to thank you for your many years of dedication to the uh, application of biodynamics uh, for teaching others and getting the word out, raising awareness, uh, for preserving this knowledge of making these preparations, and also for joining me today on the Agro Innovations Podcast. I look, look forward to uh, more work with you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes my interview with Hugh Courtney of the Josephine Porter Institute for Biodynamics. I'd like to thank Alan for encouraging me to reach out to Hugh and schedule him for an interview. Um, Alan felt that it was something that the listeners to this podcast would be interested in. So thank you for that. Next week, I've got some more great material coming your way, so be sure to stay tuned for that. This is a reminder that this and all episodes of the Agro Innovations Podcast are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Like 3.0 license. To learn more about that, you can visit creativecommons.org. This is the Agro Innovations Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Aragona. Until next time, saludos. <laughs>